You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, good day to you. It's Alicia here, founder of Bride Chiller, host of the Bride Chiller podcast. This here podcast that you're listening to, this is all about planning your wedding minus the insanity and or bullshit. And this episode, well, it's a requested topic by multiple members of the Bride Chiller community, specifically Steph. She started the thread and then it went off. It went sick. In non-idiot terms, People were really into this conversation because I think a lot of times we enter the holiday season, I'm talking about Christmas, New Year, Americans uh, celebrate, and Canadians, different times of year, Thanksgiving, when we have an almost obligation to attend certain family events that a lot of us do not want to fucking attend. And I don't want you to think I'm shitting on family events. It's not the intention behind this episode. But I do realize that a lot of people are in situations where you have combinations of family members, additional family members that are idiots. We've all got them. And then for many people, trying to work out a balance between what you want to do in your relationship and then what all of the extra people in your life want to do when it comes to celebrating the holiday season. I'm going to share with you a bunch of great responses from the Bride Chiller community, but I just want to leave this here with you. Rich and I have been in the UK for six years, and we have gone home for a couple of Christmas holidays, but it's really expensive to fly home. And and this year we'll be in Australia, so we'll be with our family. But it's really interesting to see when you unite as a couple, how their family, your partner's family and your family choose to celebrate or not celebrate the holiday season. We've got different cultures, different religions, different family makeups, we've got divorces, we've got separations, we've got dealing with estrangements. Estrangements? That's the word, isn't it? Every time I ask myself, and you're probably at home going, yeah, it's the word. Fucking move on, Alicia. There are lots of circumstances that are out of our control when it comes to celebrating, or celebrating is a loose term, gathering together to share this time of year. So I thought it would be really interesting to share some of the responses in the Facebook community and also just give you some solace that although all the TV commercials are like, celebrate the holiday season with your family and the Brits are all like, get cosy and just enjoy a big turkey. But really, we watch these ads, Rich and I, and are like, who are these people that live that that existence? And I'm not saying that we can't all just sit down and have a nice meal, but there's so much extra shit to deal with, let alone the current political seen in the world. Wherever you are, something's going down that you're guaranteed that certain members of the family will feel quite strongly about one side. I don't want to say side because I think this is just very divided at the moment. And I'm not just talking about politics. I'm talking about climate change. I'm talking about bloody everything, including my thoughts and feelings about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City being the latest addition to the Bravo Real Housewives franchise. I've got a lot to say about that. But I'm probably not going to say it at the holiday table because no one will know what the fuck I'm talking about. So basically, this episode is something to listen to, whether you're traveling. This week is a big traveling week for people to visit family. And maybe it's just an episode to listen, to relate to other people who may be feeling the same feels as you. Maybe it's suffering. Maybe they're really enjoying the prospect of sharing a one-on-one 
Christmas holiday season with their partners. Maybe you are exploring new opportunities. Maybe you're going away on a holiday and a vacation for the whole Christmas period. And you're like, fuck this, we're out of here. Rich and I did that a few years ago. It was amazing. It was fucking amazing. Because to be honest, we aren't really Christmassy people. For us, we don't do gifts and we're not Grinches. We just choose to spend our money in other places and we're not very schmushy. I mean, a few years ago, we forgot it was our wedding anniversary and both of us were like, this date feels familiar. And I always say without wanting to vomit in my own mouth that, you know, every day is a bit of an anniversary with Rich. I really love him and I love being around him. <sighs> that was enough from me. But we're just not very gifty. And if we want something, we'll buy it. And, you know, occasionally we do a lovely surprise. Rich will bring flowers home. And I've got a very good, actually it would have already happened, surprise for his 40th birthday that's just been three days ago. And that's great. But we're just not gifty people. So for us, Christmas isn't about getting up and opening presents. It's just not what we do. But we really like going on holidays. So we decided to go skiing last Christmas for Christmas Day. And it was fucking great. We loved it. We were in France and it was all Joel, Joel, Noel, whatever. And um, we had a couple of drinks, cooked a meal. It was fantastic. This year, however, we are in Australia. We're going to be in Tasmania with our family and we're doing Christmas morning with my dad and Christmas lunch with Rich's parents. And the irony of this whole situation is neither sets of our parents enjoy Christmas or really want to participate in Christmas, yet we are doing it anyway. However, that's life. And I think a lot of people in the comments, as I'm going to share with you, have families that feel the same way. It's like a weird obligation time of year that we all go through the motions when I think a lot of us would just rather be doing our own thing. So the first post started off with Steph saying, here is a podcast topic that I would like to see, splitting time over holidays with family. Ours is already getting dramatic and it's not even Christmas yet. Angry emoji face. How do you all deal with issues surrounding who gets certain days so hard to keep everyone happy? And then let the games begin. Bride chiller Kristen responded. She was the first in and she said that my husband and I just started doing what we wanted to do and we split it how we felt like it without worrying about everyone else's wants for how we spend Christmas time. We now do Christmas Eve with his family and Christmas morning slash day, just my husband and I, then Christmas dinner with my family. You can always split Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with each side and rotate every year. I have to agree with Kristen, it's really important to have some alone time because the idea is you're with your partner and regardless of having kids in the future or not, or if you already have children, it's good to start getting into your own traditions because like dealing with money and moving into a new home together, we all come with different habits and different backgrounds and it's time to start creating your own traditions. And if that means you taking a bit of a stand like Kristen has and said, hey families, here's what we're going to do and pitch it at them and say, this is the decision we're making. Let's all work together. And we don't have to be pricks about it, but we can say we want to have a part of the day or the evening or whenever alone doing our own thing and making our own traditions. Because I'm assuming that all of our families that are following these traditions that we've all just been going along with, they must have done that in the past to establish these traditions. Meta? Yes. 
Paul Karina posted, and I want to read her post because there were so many people in the group that are saying, gosh, we feel obligated to go from house to house. We seem to be on the road the whole day. And it really is tough to say no, but also not just no to the extended family, but also it's parents that put the hard word. Karina says, it's a nightmare. I have one side that's large and very accommodating although we're still struggling with certain aspects, and another that is extremely small who always want to go out to eat and do not even ask if there is a time that works best for us, even though we are the ones that have other places to go. It's always the way, isn't it? You've got to work to someone else's timetable. She goes on to say that we tried dividing up time. With the small side, we ended up making random pit stops. This is where it gets annoying. One to parents parents weren't even ready and said, oh, we probably won't open gifts now. Then to the grandparents for brunch, then to second cousins 40 minutes away to stay for the white elephant game. Oh, fucking second cousins. Honestly, who even are second cousins? And why are we obligated so much in like wedding planning? It's always about the second cousins. Like you've got to invite the second cousin. I'm not even really sure technically how second cousins sometimes are related to us. She then says, um, this is a really good one. Then to my parents, which we also stopped in at, at the morning. Then we still got the comment that we should have split it up because my husband didn't get to see the rest of his family. When some got together at the grandparents again later on. Mind you, he also had to leave for work by 8pm. So we did all this in a day and it was still not enough. Here's the message behind Karina's post. And I think she got a lot of sort of sub comments on it. But I think her example of being very flexible and obviously good people saying, we're going to go here, we're going to go here, we're going to go here, is that it sucks. You don't enjoy the day because you're on the road. You can't probably have a drink because you're on the road. And even if you're not drinkers, you never really get a time to settle. You're having the same conversation 15 times over and you're seeing people, it sounds like you don't really want to see. And again, I'm not wanting to be a Debbie Downer Grinch fuckface, but when you feel like, oh, I'm just getting in the car and now I've got to see the second cousins and now we're going to go to the grandparents for brunch and then we're going to cop shit later on because we didn't stay long enough. I mean, what do they want from you? What do these people, our families, actually want? You can only be in so many places at so many times. It's just not physically possible. I think with parents, and this goes back to conversations we've had on the show before about their expectations and also losing you a little bit without being too, well, too psychologically simplistic. But what they're seeing and what the pushback, I think, from a lot of parents when it comes to the holiday season is you have conformed for the last 20, 25, 30 years, however long, with their plans. You've been going along because that's what you do as a kid. A majority of kids go, all right, this is how we've celebrated these special moments in our family, whether we've enjoyed it or not. This is how we've been doing it for years and years. And then you enter a new relationship and you maybe give them a bit of pushback or they have to be flexible with this situation because you've got a whole other group of people that you've also got to please. So there were lots of comments in this this great thread about people saying, my parents are being really unreasonable with sharing me and my partner, my partner and I, with a whole other family, which is really unfortunate because it puts you in a very emotive situation of having to choose. Or if they aren't willing to find a compromise, then it makes you uncomfortable, like lovely Karina, who ends up doing 28 pit stops in one day and then you leave the day exhausted and not really having a great time. 
But I think this can be connected with some of the pushback that we get with wedding planning. When parents go into this situation with certain expectations and a lot of the expectations come from their previous experience or their friends or family members that they've experienced weddings and they think, well, this is how it should happen. And then when we stand up and do something slightly differently, their guards go up. This is being a parent, I'm sure that you think you know best and sometimes parents do know best. Sometimes they think they do know best and they don't. I'm sure for many parents when they're saying, no, this is the tradition, you always come and do this and then you saying, well, actually, we might mix it up this year because my partner's parents, they do this and I'd like to experience that. Then, you know, obviously there's situations where you're like, I don't want to lose my kid. I don't want to lose this tradition. We've built this tradition up over the last 25 years. Why are you taking this away from me? Don't you realize this is really important to me? And then God forbid we start to talk about divorced parents. Just to add another layer of extra visits of where you need to go, but also extra emotional stuff where as a child, sometimes you're used as a bit of a chess piece in their breakup, even fucking 20 years after they're divorced. We have some very close friends who have divorced parents, two sets of divorced parents, and one set of parents have both moved on with new partners, but their marriage ended really in a very nasty way when they were kids. This is literally 21 years ago. Yet any time when there needs to be some allocation of their time during the holidays. Their wedding was a fucking shit show. And I mean that with love. I don't know how they got through it. Very tense. That it becomes a game. Like get the stopwatch out. You spent this much time with that parent and their partner and you're only here for this much time. Why don't you love us as much? I mean, that is completely unreasonable. And I know a lot of people sort of answered in a way to say, I don't know how to win this and there's probably no winning, but you need to step up and do what's right for you, obviously. Bride chiller Ariana says she was in a similar situation. She says, it's so difficult. We've been together almost seven years and still haven't figured it out. So we just run around trying to make an appearance at all the events. Since his parents are divorced, his dad doesn't talk to his side of the family, but my future husband likes to spend time with them if he can. And for me, I have two sets of grandparents, that's lucky, plus my parents. We usually end up doing about five to six different places between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I think we're going to have to start switching off between extended family gatherings every year once we get married. But that's easier said than done when you have a large Hispanic family that all live in the same state. Ariana, I totally feel you. And I think when it comes to having a family that are really close and also if you are religious and you have to go to church, want to go to church, you go to church. Sorry about all my different tenses there. That adding that sort of element to it as well, a religious service that you attend together. A lot of people go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve. That's extra stuff to have to deal with. It's extra stuff to have to conform to. After the break, I'm going to give you some solutions. I'm going to give you some options to how to deal with this situation. You might be really comfortable with your Christmas holiday setup, and that is smashing. But I also want to offer you some special Alicia ways of potentially dealing with people that are antagonistic, people asking you too many questions about your wedding and then giving you opinions. And also, if you're like me, who appear to be someone who appears to be quite extroverted, but really are an introvert, how to deal with the constant barrage of people and conversations when you just need some time out. There will be more of me talking to you after this. 
I spoke before the break about being an introverted extrovert, and it's really interesting because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast would assume that I'm outgoing and all the time. That just exhausted me. But I like turning it on, gross, when I need to. And I'm really good in an audience. I'm good in a crowd. I can crack some jokes. I think I am. I mean, that sounds on myself. But, you know, I'm confident. But also, I'm very good in my own company. And I find when we do a social thing or if I'm performing, when I was doing a lot of stand-up, I used to be physically exhausted. And I would basically do a show and then not speak for the next day because it would drain me. It would drain me from the performance. It would drain me from being on and I would just need some downtime. So when it comes to extended family situations, and I did make this joke, my lovely mother-in-law V, who you would have heard on the show, is also a member of the Bride Chiller community. And I did a Facebook Live and I said, in talking about my introverted extrovertedness, but also just forced socialization, which I deeply resent and try in any capacity to avoid doing really. I'm pretty sneaky with getting out of stuff. But I said my peak family time when I can be in a sort of controlled environment is maximum three days. And even then I have to take myself off in a polite way to watch some housewives or listen to a podcast or I go for a run. That's my big thing. I'm like, I'm going running fucking see you later and I will run a lot longer than I normally run just to have time on my own and that is not being a dick to our friends and family I don't have a personal problem with any of them I love them all but I know my limitations and I think it's really important for you to recognize that in yourself it is not failing to say I need to step out I need to take some time away even if you aren't like me introverted extrovert I'm sure there's probably a better technical term for that. Psychologists, get in touch with me. Even if you aren't like me and you're fine being social all day and you're having a lovely time, it can be really tiring. And it's just important to listen to yourself, your physical self and also your mental self and check in and take a step away if you think it's too much. Inevitably, in family meetups and situations, there will be discussions that you're trying to avoid. And This doesn't mean you don't want to disclose information, but it's answering the same questions 50 times over, especially when you're in the midst of planning an event like a wedding, or I know my married friends, and I still get it too, but I'm I'm pretty good at shutting it down, is when you're having a baby. How long after you get married do you think you'll be having a baby? Will you be trying soon? It's like, don't ask me that. That is a gross question, and it's none of your fucking beeswax. Seriously, I have no problem with people saying, We'd like to have a baby this year, but it's like, hey, we're trying at the moment. They're basically saying we're fucking a lot, you know, and that's great. Good for you for having lots of sex, even if it may be just sex to have a baby. You're not enjoying because you've just got a lot of stress and pressure going on. I get it. I don't get it, but I get it. But I don't want to hear we're trying because it just, it takes me, it takes me to a place I don't need to think about, especially in a Christmas holiday situation. There will be inevitable questions about the wedding that you don't want to talk about, such as, why aren't you inviting your second cousin, Lacey? Now, I know you haven't seen her for six and a half years. She's had some troubles, but she'd really like a day out. And you're like, this is not a fucking entertainment committee. Cousin Lacey can go and have a dinner somewhere with some friends or join one of those online meetups. Why is my wedding something that I need to invite her to? Because she needs to get out of the house. Forget it, Lacey, you're not coming. Now, look, 
it's hard when someone's sitting across the dinner table with you and asking you in front of the whole family why a certain other family member, and they might be at this fucking lunch, they wouldn't put it past some family members for doing that, why Lacey's not coming. And I think the easiest response is the kindest response saying something like, our numbers couldn't allow it. We're only having close family members. We're sorry. You're a shithead for asking us this in front of the entire family. Why don't you eat a big bag of dicks? Too much? Probably too much. But hey, that's what you come here for. I mentioned earlier about parents needing to be open to compromise, and I suppose it goes two ways. There are compromises that we make as kids and family members that we have to take for the team. There are things that I know Rich and I agree to do with family members that we're like, okay, this probably wouldn't be our first choice, but sometimes it's just easier to shut the fuck up and do it. And then you can go home or have your quiet time or arrange something with your friends as well. This is something that I think a lot of us forget. We have friends that do Friends Christmas Eve. It's quite big actually in the UK. Um, In London where we've been living, a lot of our London friends do Christmas Eve and get fucking blotto with their friends and then they all travel and do Christmas Day stuff with their family and I think that's nice to remember that if you're living in a city like we have been a lot of the time your family (laughs) are your friends because expats and people that are living far away from your actual physical family it's about celebrating with people that are close to you so it's nice to put aside that time but going back to compromise perhaps The easiest way to put this is, yes, sometimes we've got to eat a bit of shit to just get through it. But also, if you can pitch a better solution or a solution that works for you to the various family members, for example, instead of going to 28 different locations, perhaps if you're bold, you could offer to host something at your home and do an open door policy and say, we're going to be hosting Christmas Eve this year. We're going to have Christmas Day on our own or just with our parents. But for the extended family, here's an open door Christmas Eve policy. If you want to come and celebrate, come to our place. And you go to Costco or somewhere else or you get a caterer or you fucking cook it yourself and you just start that new tradition if people don't want to come and they say, no, but we we usually get you to come to our house and go to 50 other houses on the day, well, then screw them. Maybe it's up to taking a stand and doing this your way. A lot of people said that they do one Christmas on with one family, their family, and then the next year that they go and do that with their partner's family. If this works for you and you don't mind, do it. It's an easy way to not have to be traveling around from house to house. If you're just like, this year is our family, we will do it. And then next year we'll go to your family. Fantastic. I do think it's important to consider in the future if and when you might want to have kids or maybe you have kids. Lots of people also commented saying, we already have kids. And that also can complicate things, but also can simplify things because you've got an excuse to say, we're going to stay home this year. Why don't you come to us? Because the kids, mm, they get a bit tired on the day or it's a long travel day for them. Start this conversation now with your partner. Do it in the car on the way to your many stops this Christmas and say, okay, in the future, when we have a family of our own, if we have a family of our own, what are our expectations for Christmas? What are the traditions we want to start with our little family unit? And how are we going to make this work with our extended family? It's a good conversation to have. And also, like my list in the Bridechiller Survival Guide, I've got a a list of 100 questions you should be asking each other before you get hitched, which 
It's not too late to purchase to read over the Christmas holidays. It's available on Kindle and as an audiobook, so you can listen to me a lot more. Six and a half hours of it. Fantastic. But the questions that I have listed in there are really helpful travelling conversations to have as well to make sure you're on the same page or at least in the same sphere when it comes to your answers. Another compromise that I think can work really well and I think a lot of people do it is to say, look, really, beyond the date and not not taking away from the religious significance of Christmas Day for some people and Thanksgiving culturally for other people, that really you can celebrate these days and have a lunch or a meal with your family. Why must we cram it all into a 24-hour period? Yes, vacation days are scarce for some people. I know in Australia, we generally, and no one seems to get this in the Northern Hemisphere. It's funny. Australia really shuts down between you know the 20th of December and mid-January. It's our summer holidays. It's a much more cruisy, like casual time. And I think people are a little bit more adaptable because we've got that period of time off. It's really when people choose to take their vacation leave. But I totally get that in a lot of places, you just get the day off. So why do we cram it all into one day when we can say the weekend before? Let's do a family event the weekend before. Or if you're in America and you celebrate Thanksgiving, then maybe you can say, all right, we'll do Thanksgiving with my family and and we'll do Christmas with your family. There are ways to do it that doesn't mean you have to go door to door. Like travelling Christmas salespeople eating random snacky bits, never having a full meal because you're never there at the right time, and practising that excited face by opening a white elephant gift from a second cousin, probably the one that thinks they're coming to your wedding but isn't, and it's some sort of useless piece of trashy shit that you want to be grateful for but you're already thinking about how to throw it out or how long you have to keep it for and how much it's probably ruining the environment by making this sort of stuff. Am I the Grinch? Probably. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. It feels cathartic to go through all of your comments and know that we're all in it together. It doesn't mean that we don't love our families. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy their company. It just means that we're evolving as people, evolving as team members in our partnerships and perhaps just want a bit of fucking time to ourselves or at least have some choice as to what we do with our time, especially on the precious little time off work and out of the normal existence that we have. I want to say a big shout out to all of the people who don't celebrate Christmas, the people who have to go to work over the holiday season. I know that can be really hard and you are the people that keep society going. I'm talking about people that work in stores, who work in healthcare, who work in you know the police and the military. You are really giving back to our community and I'm grateful. We're all grateful. I leave you with this, my favourite phrase that we all can repeat over and over again that comes in handy, that's not going to work for me. If you feel particularly out of sorts with the decision that's being thrust upon you or you feel that you are obligated to do something, take a step back and consider what you want. And that doesn't mean you have to ruffle feathers, but it's always a good way to say, you know what, this year driving four hours between family to another family member and then back again, that's not going to work for us. We don't want to be on the road for eight hours on Christmas Day. Thank you so much for the invitation, but it's not going to work for us this year. I'm grateful so much for your patronage. And I mean, anyone that has left a kind review or even a non-kind review, I send you my blessings of the podcast. Anyone who has invested in one of our 
independently produced bride chiller guides or our emergency kit, we are eternally grateful. We had no idea that this would kick into a business for Rich and I. And every year we were like, man, this another year has gone by. Who would ever thought this would be a thing? So thank you so much. In 2020, I'm so excited because we are launching a brand new podcast. Keep an eye on your Bride Chiller podcast feed. I'm going to release it within the feed for the first couple of months so you don't miss out. It is a non-wedding podcast. It is basically covering all of the topics like this one, actually. This is a great example that might not be directly wedding related, but a relationship, life, workplace. It's like an expansion of the Bride Chiller brand. And shall I tell you the title? Is that silly? Should I tell you? I'm going to call it doing my best because we're all fucking trying to do our best. I'm trying to do my best every day and it can be exhausting. It's the best we can do. We're doing our best. So I thought that was a good topic and a fun title that relates to what we're all trying and something that I'm really excited about bringing you next year. I know it's been fucking years in the making, but I'm excited and delighted and I can't wait to share it with you. Have a safe and happy holidays. Make sure if you are seeing family and friends and they're like, why are you so chilled out about your wedding? You're like, fucking hell, I'm a bride chiller and pass it on to your cousin or your friend who's sitting at the table freaking out about their wedding planning. Give them a little sneaky wink and tell them about bride chiller. Until the next episode of Bride Chiller, I wish you all a happy, happy holidays and, of course, happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? <laughs>